Hello and welcome to the Star Trek podcast. Track this out. I'm your host Bob, and we're we're a, we're a woo man down this week. Woo man down, but we are joined uh, by Andrea. Hello. Hello, John Boy. Hello. It's okay. Hello. I think Lindsay's gone all social now because they've um, done something with lockdown in Scotland, so she's out visiting and, that and having a lovely time. Um, but yeah, so so she'll be back in two weeks' time, I imagine. Uh, on this week's show, uh, we are reviewing the Discovery episode "Choose Your Pain." Uh, we'll be giving our lights out of five. We'll be reading out some feedback, your feedback to the episode. Uh, we'll be voting for this week's red shirt and find out what we're watching next week but before all that i'm going to engage the warp drive have you been up to much has there been any news star trek news related or anything related that you want to talk about it's been a while on it I think news is kind of slow, isn't it, at the moment? I don't okay. think there's. A, I think there's. There's been a few little bits about lower decks kind of creeping yes. around. Um, but um, something I, I'm quite grateful to to Borg on Twitter, who has pointed out that Discovery Three has gone into the far flung future to prevent its crossing over with TOS canon. But now they're making strange new worlds. How's that going to play out? Yeah. They might it's going to be some very epic careful. cannon meltdown. It's like reach yeah. for the popcorn now. I, I think there's going to be some entertainment off the yeah. back of that. Um, I know that's a bit sadistic, but I will kind of enjoy it. But yeah, I, I feel like they solved that headache that they were kind of new one. But now they've created another one. Well, think, you know, I think it was everybody that clamoured for the pipe. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's our fault, really. It is completely our fault because I was like, just really, really, really wanted it. And, and I've never really been fussed about canon. Like, having watched the Discovery season one recently, it's brilliant. Canon, schmanon, whatever. But yeah. you're right, it's funny when everyone starts kicking off. Um, what, what exactly? Hold well, on, because I don't know what's going on. What, what's happened then? That's, uh, people starting to kick off about strange no, new worlds. No, 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 no. What we're saying is, so basically, everyone was kicking off about canon and discovery, which is the kind of reset in the series too, and then chucked him into the future, didn't they? So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's no one can complain about canon because no one's seen where they've gone. Yeah. And then obviously they're, they're doing uh, strange, uh, strange new worlds or whatever with Captain Pike. Yeah. So they're gonna. So what Andrea said is the headache will come back with all the canon keyboard warriors. Well, well, it's, it's, yeah, I expect so. But if if they play safe, then they will come back. I mean, the one that I'm more wondering about is. Um, the lower decks one, which is just as uh, Andrea says, just been announced, right? Because that's supposed to be within the TNG, uh, Voyager, all this, all that uh, time period, isn't it? So there's all sorts of stuff that might be going on in there that might uh, might well, be. I think with the, the lower decks, it's for, well, for children, isn't it? It's a no. cartoon, isn't it? No, no it's, it's no. definitely not being pitched at kids. I think it's no. being pitched basically at the kind of an, a, adult animated stuff, like yeah. you know. Rick and Marty and stuff like that. Oh, because I thought it was going to be like uh, on Nickelodeon kids and all that. I think that's a separate thing. Yeah, Another no, thing. No. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's no, that I, don't know, I don't know about that one. I just no, know, I know. as John says, it, this is now the 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 lower decks, the animation that is going to be slightly more adult. Oh, than, cool. uh, right. So you're just going to see how it goes from there. But I don't think that's going to be a kiddie show. No, 
But I mean, yeah, it's going to be. But everyone demanded this Pike series, so put up and shut up. So I think for for most people, um, cool. Is it? Have you been up too much anyway? Because lockdown's eased a bit now, hasn't it? So you've been I up too much. I have seen my parents today, whom I have not seen for quite a long time. So ah, uh, cool. that was quite nice. Yeah. Um, it was it was extra nice because I was really expecting like a roasting from my mother about the state of my roots and that I've got fat and she was really nice so it, I was able to like breathe out and like take my hat off. Um, Absence makes yeah. the heart go fonder, definitely. Yeah, and all that. It is nice. It is nice. I've been out a couple of times and seen people. I went to see John, didn't I? Oh, you Boxing. did. Saw John. I saw uh, I seen Sucky a few weeks ago though, didn't I? When lockdown yes. was still on. But I, after yes. Dominic Cummings did what he did, I was like, well, screw it, I'm going to drive to Wolverhampton. Yeah. Um, awesome. Have you been up to anything exciting, boys? Uh, Not, lots of podcasts, I have to say. We've got uh, the, uh, we just did a, a Take Your Seats with Robin Douglas of the Who's Land Anyway podcast yesterday. Hmm. And that will be out on uh, Wednesday. We are uh, reviewing hmm. the Adventures of Bookaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I have seen that, that, but it sounds fucking awful. <laughs> it sounds awful, like, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, we, there was a spin on it that we had to uh, stick to, and it was quite. We, we stuck to it, and we were quite happy with the outcome of wow. that podcast. And Robin was happy about it as well. But It has, just, its, uh, it has its charms. Let's yeah. leave it there. You can listen to the radio Wednesday. Yeah. I feel like uh, I need to watch it now after I've sort of. <laughs> yes, you've got to watch, watch the Hawk the Slayer or something. Yeah. Classic sci fi film, yeah. I really want to watch that after the, your review of it. I'll be okay. honest. <laughs> yeah, just uh, a bit of follow up on that uh, pod, on our podcast. Uh, I was going to, we didn't get a chance to announce it on the podcast, but our next one is going to be a Star Trek base one and that's going to be star trek 6 the undiscovered country and we've got rob chapman coming on and uh, he should we should be recording that on monday mm. uh, a week on monday oh, ah, cool. no, right. rob's fab rob will be really good oh cool oh, who's, who's, who's rob, rob chapman, chapman. Who, who's he uh i'm not exactly uh, don't put me on the spot man he's uh <laughs> he's a uh, he's a trekkie not uh rob on uh twitter oh right. uh, proper trekkie then eh? yeah he's a house founder of trek book club right yeah. so he's into his uh, i'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to doing uh that the unfinished country that would be fantastic because it's like yeah. not one i've seen too many times and it's uh, a and it is it's really good um mm. as well yeah so, yeah be nice to have a good trekkie on it as well. Oh, that'd be something to look forward to. That's all in the Proctor Who feed. Uh, if you want to go over there and check, check, check that out. Um, so, should we get into this little review? Let's do it. Yeah. Warning: Klingon tractor beam engaged. Captain Lorca was captured. We will find him. Where are we? A Klingon prison vessel. Prepare to jump. I don't know how much more the creature can sustain. I gave you an order. You seek glory. But glory must be earned through sacrifice. Stick with me. I'm a survivor just like you. Star Trek Discovery. New episode Sundays. Andrea, 
you pick this one. Why, why, why did you pick this one? <laughs> oh, I wonder. Um, well, it was about time we did a Discovery episode. Um, I've obviously got a very vested interest, um, particularly in Series 1. Um, I, pre- I think you probably prefer it as an unvested interest, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, to be honest, I think the obvious choice was, to, was for us to pick the next episode, which yeah, is Lexi. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's one of those episodes where a lot of it happens in people's heads, and you know I have an issue with the whole bouncer's dream like scenario so I I probably prefer this as an episode Um, I was tempted by a mirror episode for for reasons Um, but I think that That kind of first half of the series and I think it's an episode where a lot of other stuff happens so I I did want to give other people things to talk about rather than just me drooling for like 45 (laughs) minutes so I I tried to be a little bit unselfish but uh, having just rewatched like I said rewatched season one um, this is a massively pivotal episode, uh, and you don't realise it at the time. I remember the first time I watched it when it was on a weekly basis, and it was like that was a great episode. That, and he didn't suspect um, uh, what's his face, Ash Tyler. Yeah, he didn't respect Ash Tyler being Vok. Uh, he didn't sort of know what was going on. He didn't have a clue. And there's so much happens in this, you know, with Stannis as well. It's just full of stuff. It's a cracker. With, it's with a cracker. Who? Stannis. Stannis, whatever he's called. Stannis. Oh, Stamets. Stamets, right, Stamets, yeah. I always get that wrong as well. Yeah. I'm glad you corrected me though, John. That was very good. It's, that's fine. I mean, I just assumed it was an admin issue. <laughs> did you have, a fact, <laughs> did, have you got a fact file, Andrea? <laughs> well, I've got, of course I've got a fact, a fact A fact hunt, sorry. Have we got the fact hunt? I'm not good at saying fact hunt. I'm really <laughs> scared that's going to come out with something inappropriate. <laughs> well, on our podcast, <laughs> people no. must be used to it by now. So go on then, Andrea, hit us with your fact hunt. Okay, so the episode is episode five of series one of Star Trek Discovery, um, first aired on October the 15th, 2017, um, the following day in the UK and, and sort of uh, internationally. Um, shown on space in Canada, I think it's the only place it sort of aired to a sort of TV network um, who received um, complaints and I think had to um, make quite a significant apology because it airs at eight o'clock. Um, and it is the first um, example of Star Trek dropping the F-bomb. Um, ah, twice. right. Twice. It is the, the, the first use of the F-word in Star Trek. Um, it's not the first swear, but it's the first, like, proper grown-up daddy swear. Um, <laughs> it was written by Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harbert, who, of course, were, were showrunners at the time, um, and Kemp Powers, um, directed by Lee Rose, who I think came back in Series 2 to do another episode. Um should have written down which one but i've forgotten um it's the episode as we mentioned that introduces um ash tyler um it is the first chronological appearance of harry mudd in the star trek universe yes. um it also is the first time and um, the sort of scene at the end with paul and hugh is the first time that a, a sort of regular cast have been introduced as a same-sex couple um, and it, uh, the, there's a little bit of grey area and debate on this, but as far as I'm concerned, it is the first full confirmation that Klingons have two willies. Hmm. Yeah. Do they? Do they? Yeah. yeah. What, well, where, they, where, where does that happen? It doesn't when, show it. It doesn't show it. it no, but the, 
the bit where Lorca's kind of tied in the chair, which is a scene I do quite enjoy for many reasons. <laughs> um, he sort of makes a, a bit of a jibe at Laurel about the fact that she's sort of been messing around with a human, and he says, we don't even have the right number of organs for you. Uh, um, so that's right. definitely, I mean, there, there is a scene where you see a, a sort of Klingon peeing against a wall, um, where you see two streams, which kind of further confirms it. But it, it, it's kind of been hinted at that they have two of everything. But as far as I'm concerned, that's the, the confirmation that Worf had two willies. <laughs> ah, this is amazing. I didn't know this. This is facts. Real facts. Klingons have two cocks. Amazing. Um, brilliant. Thank you very much, Andy. That was a wonderful and enlightening fact punt. Um, cool. So, yeah, I, I presume you enjoyed it, Andrea. I, I think I've let, let on the fact I enjoyed it. John? Yeah, I, I completely... I was totally obsessed with Lorca as... I wanted him to be the captain going forward until he came all creepy and nasty yeah so this was at this point it was still at this point that i was thinking i love this captain i want a captain like this. he's like the war captain yeah he's, it was uh it was an interesting um style of captaincy and i really liked it and i thought the the general vibe that he put across was was great it was just a shame that he was was never going to carry on that way because I never knew it at the time, but Jason Isaac gets killed in absolutely fucking everything. So everything, like yeah, yeah. He survived so, skeletons. He survived skeletons, but you know, off screen, he could probably died. <laughs> I've often, I've often likened being a Jason Isaacs fan to being a Christian at Easter, because you know the hot Jewish guy's going to die at some point very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's, he, yeah, I was definitely thinking the same as you there, John, I think. Sucky, did you enjoy this one? Yes, I did. Now, my when I, I initially watched Star Trek Discovery, I, I only watched it the once because it was on every week and we weren't reviewing it. It was just mm. one of these things. And, I, and then I had to watch it again this week and I've forgotten a lot of the stuff that had happened in season one. Uh, but going back to it now, I did enjoy Lorca. I did enjoy... Uh, Harry Mudd. Harry Mudd was great. Uh, Wilson, yes, he was. Uh, Ryan Wilson. Uh, and then I also liked the fact, uh, Saru, the way he commanded the bridge and took charge, even though he had in the back of his head right, all the doubts about Michael Burnham. And this is all stuff that I completely forgot about from the first season. So this episode brought back uh, the, all these little memories. And I was thinking, yep, yeah, fantastic episode. So, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, I did enjoy mm. this one. Oh, I, think Burnham, I think Burnham was out of order, to be fair, on a lot of the stuff she does in season one. He's he, he right to suggest that she like um, she went behind his back a bit. Yeah, I told you not to do that, but she goes ahead and does it because she thinks she's right. So she does that all the time. That, that it's not endearing to people. Yeah, but remember, she was like first in command, uh, second in command to her uh, Georgia. So she expected all her point, orders to be. I know she wasn't there, but she, she expects all this stuff, and she expects Saru to like follow her because she, uh, you know, Saru used to be her subordinate because like, she thinks she's right all the time, and and she's never she doesn't take orders if she disagrees with them. Yeah, which in a in an ordered uh, in an ordered sort of military sort of hierarchy, that's a bit shit. She's a bit rubbish at that, and annoyingly, annoyingly, pretty much always right as well. Uh, yeah. That is, that's probably the justification behind her getting away with it and all that. Um, but like I said uh, at the beginning, so much happens in this. Uh, one of the things I love about Discovery is this spore drive. It's it's magical. That's the best way I can describe it. It's this thing that can just go here, there, everywhere. 
and it's just awesome. Um, and I, I just and I love this. What's it called? The tardigrade. Tardigrade. Which look which which is terrifying when it first comes into this into the show, but when they get rid of it at the end, it's so cute. Just dangling there in space with its electric and all that, it was just—it's just cool, and it's the sort of birth of, sta- of, of Stamets um, as well. As, as you, you know, see it, by the at the very end with the mirror scene, don't you? Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, and, that, and it's that, that's another you know fascinating plot as well, the whole Stamets thing, uh, and the spore drive, and it's just like I say, I just think it's just a really interesting, interesting thing that this whole concept because it's a bit mind blowing, isn't it? It took uh, certainly the spore drive took advantage of like some really good CG effects, uh, and the and the way it, the way it sort of you know appears and disappears when it's uh, when it's going through the uh, black alert thing. The ship that yeah the ship it's fantastic it's great I think um, why wouldn't they do some new form of propulsion that was going to be mega good looking when they uh, come to portray it? It's also good for plot because you don't. They're not flying it's, through space it, forever. It, it's, it's totally just like, bang, bang. It's, bang, it's, it's totally away. overpowered, though. It's totally overpowered. That was the problem. I what mean, as you like... say, for for like a month, um, he's been spore driving here, there, and everywhere, and winning battles. Yeah. Um, and that can't continue. So it was always, it was never going to be something that was going to be taken on further. It's just one of those uh, secret technologies that uh, is too dangerous or too immoral to use. That. Star Trek has a plenty of. No, no, yeah, I mean that's the whole point. Andrea, um, I think there's quite a nice parallel between the two kind of main story threads because you've got the idea that the Klingons are keeping prisoners and torturing people, and then you've got the idea that this tardigrade is is being kept against its will and, and fundamentally tortured. So I quite like the way those two stories kind of run in tandem. Um, I think that was quite a nice piece of writing because. I think it shows that the gap between what's happening on one ship isn't as wide as you would imagine. Um, and it, it's kind of got that nice sort of, mm. it's quite a nice mirror. I felt like that Tardigrade storyline as well was a little bit of an attempt to kind of get us to relate to Burnham because I, I found that quite difficult in series one. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I think she, she was quite a challenging character um, and, and she wasn't someone I, I think that was immediately likeable, um, which I think is quite brave for your, your lead character not to be, you know, you think they're going to run a pike show with, with quite a charismatic kind of captain figure and yeah. I think they, they made Burnham a, a very challenging kind of character and I think it took a long time for me to kind of get used to and I, th- I think they've kind of softened her over time. Do you think, um, that, do you think that Saru was our surrogate in, in working out? Because the way he softens to Burnham over the series is kind of like the way we soften to Burnham over I, the series. And I think that applies with Tilly as well. I think without Tilly, you're just going to think Burnham's a you know a bit of a yeah. dickhead, really. But yeah. Tilly sort of brings out the best in her um, and wears her down in a different thing. So there's a forgiveness element with Saru. Do you know what I mean? So people are sort of getting to hopefully like her that way. But then you've got mm. the whole thing, this lovely, lovely woman, Tilly, sees so much in her and all that stuff. And it's just, without them, uh, that element... Because I, I don't really like the... Uh, what becomes eventually Ash-Tyler relationship, really. I don't know. I don't know something... I don't know if... It, I, I'm just not a massive Michael Burnham fan, I'll be brutally honest. Andrea, um, do, you, do you think that the uh, Michael Burnham and Ash-Tyler relationship that happens mm. later on did you believe in that? Because I didn't. No, no I, I always found it a bit like it felt a bit 
felt like, by it the felt writers. like needed to give her a boyfriend. Yeah. That was the option. Like, I, I don't think it, they necessarily... I don't know. I, I never really saw that kind of chemistry there. It just seemed like a bit of a, like, if, if we give her a boyfriend, people will like her more, um, which I, I kind of think was a bit of a... A bit of a cop out, really. I think it's my, that, uh, no, it was for Tyler's arc. I suppose it was useful because it gave him a sort of investment in, yeah. in Tyler mm. rather than being Vok. But and it kind of set up Burnham Laurel in a in a way. But it, it did feel a little bit. It felt a little bit forced. I think. Yeah, I agree. But I did. I really loved. I, I took to Ash Tyler straight away. I love the you know the, the him and Locker together kicking ass and all that and obviously it's a whole little sinister plot by the Klingons to put a uh, Vok. It's, it's a sinister plot within another sinister plot. plot yeah. Considering um, Locker. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's plots all the way fucking down. <laughs> but it's it, but at the time it just feels like a good action episode, doesn't it? And you don't re- obviously you don't realise that you've got all this there's all this going on in it as well. But yeah, I really took to Ash Tyler. Um, straight away thought what a, you know is your sort of archetypal kind of action hero kind of thing yeah i'd agree with that harry mudd was uh like another yeah another aspect to it all that yeah another person who's in there in that cell with ulterior motives so all of them in there yeah did that little did stewart the little bloody bug was he in on it as well? <laughs> Do you know, I have, I have quite a nice little Easter egg about Stuart. Um, he was going to be called Bugsy or something quite generic like that. And Ted <clears> Sullivan <throat> renamed him Stuart as a little nod to Stuart Bloom in the Big Bang Theory. So uh, he, he got, that's why. Because I've always thought Stuart was a bit of a strange name, like a space, <laughs> like Stuart the Space Spider. Yeah. But that is apparently that is where that name come from. But I do think that what's the deal between those two? Like, how did they strike up that friendship? Like. He's a he's a, convi- yeah, but, he's a he's a convincing salesman, isn't he, Harry Mudd? When when he first went Mudd, and well, even and to little insectoid creatures. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah, a charmer. The, the insects, the insects probably been supplied by the Klingons, and he will keep you alive. He keep this insect alive, which will give us all our information, and that'll keep you alive. That's I, how they then pair got together. Well, I thought just he was brilliant, like Harry Mudd, because it's, it's one of the characters you remember from the original series, isn't it? Mudd's women, uh, and it's sort of like just you know salesy, cheesy sort of dude, and that with a sinister sort of like. Uh, you know he's after something or whatever he's after um and it's just class as soon as he said his name i was like buzzing i was like oh brilliant this is awesome and then i was just waiting for him to come back and when he comes back obviously he's in that episode where he's got that little time jumper and he's just such a bastard unreal but such a charming sort of bastard yeah. i love love harry wood i think he you know i just wish to do more with him he somehow ends up in discovery again or whatever or you know in the uh pike series and that we're quite early in uh, Discovery's sort of um, arc at the moment, yeah. aren't we? Because you get introductions to Arium and Detmar and Owa. I was going to say that. Because they're still at the point where he's having to say their names out yeah. in yeah. order to remind us who yeah. the fuck they are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of these episodes to, where the crew, the bridge crew, actually has something to do. Uh, whereas before the first few episodes, it was Philippa and uh, Burnham in the first two episodes, and then Saru sort of got a bit of a bit more going in the first couple. But then this is the first episode where the bridge crew are allowed to do their stuff, and, and it also familiarises the audience with them as well. So I do I did enjoy their interactions, and Saru, the, I, you got to 
the way he took command, as I said earlier, he took command of that bridge. As mm. soon as he realised he was acting captain, he was like on the board. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Set a course here. Do this. So he'd got all that training from from where Giorgio and probably under Burnham as well, and probably a bit more under Lorca. And he just knew what to do. Well, I think. The, but the, then he made the question. Oh, he made he, the point. Sorry, sorry, he made the point at the end, though. You know, when he went to see Burnham after chucking her in a room, that um, he, he was angry with her because he didn't get that. He, you know, he didn't get that sort chance. of training pro. Yeah, chance with Giorgio, which I thought was quite interesting because he obviously had some massive insecurities about being, you know, in the position of captain, having the responsibilities that come with it. And like you say, he did. He did well, um, but it's kind of like his species is just based on fear yeah. uh, you know the fact he has developed so much in, in in the federation or whatever within Starfleet is massive testament to him I mean when his tendrils come off or whatever they are and he goes fucking nuts he's, I mean the character just gets better because Saru not giving a fuck is amazing um, but yeah he's, but yeah no I think it's like it's just like he was just chucked in at the deep end and he did he did very well and yeah it's, if it, but, it's, it's a fascinating character yeah. brilliantly brilliantly played that, that scene at the end though when he does confront Burnham and explains why he's got he's out scared wary whatever you'd like to call it of her right that was great the way Doug Jones played it right he explained uh, the way it was written for him the, the, he explained it to her I'm not scared of you as such not fearful I'm just just jealous of the fact that I didn't get my chance yeah. right and he, he put, portrayed it with it and this is where Burnham realises that, that she may, may maybe she'd have done some things different it might have worked out better for everybody maybe you never know but, but, but try telling Burnham that she just goes you off on her tell thing her, you thing. can't tell her you can't tell her. Andrea? Um, I think from the writer's point of view, I think a lot of this, the drive in this episode was about sort of Saru's character development, um, that he's not cowardly or, or necessarily overcautious. He, he just has a slightly different way of approaching things and looking at things. So I think in terms of, of sort of his journey, I, th- I think it's quite an important episode for him, um, as well as that kind of trying to repair that relationship with Burnham. Um but I, th- I think there's, there's such a lot. I mean, I, I've got quite a lot of notes on that sort of interaction between sort of Lorca and Ash Tyler. Um, and I've, I've sort of met both actors and I've heard both actors speak about each other and they have such a genuine, like, massive bromance. Like, Shazad yeah. refers to, like, Jason's dad. Um, <laughs> they're, like, two blokes who really, like, genuinely adore each other. Um, and Shazad is an honorary member of Team Basement. Um, so if anyone got on my Instagram, um, you can see a photograph of him being inducted into Team Basement very willingly and happily, I would say. He's a, he's a, he's a cool guy. Um, I think I've told you this before, but um, the guys on Spotlight um, that he did an interview with them and they went around his flat in, in London and did the interview there with him and he was absolutely just sound as a pound like top guy so yeah that's, that's nice that I like I like a lot of stories where you find out the, the, the cool and I loved him as Clem Fandango as well so. yes who? <laughs> oh man have you never seen <laughs> no, it? Not seen that what? Yet. just put Clem Fandango into your Search engine anywhere, and you'll see oh, so many memes and gifts. It's about from this Toast. Character. It's from uh, Toast of London with Matt Berry. Oh, yeah. I'm not seeing that. Is where he... he's an actor, and uh, uh, Clem Fandango is a sound engineer. <laughs> that it's just his nemesis all the way through. And is it played by? It's oh, played by Chesed yeah. yeah. Ah, right, cool. I've got yeah, I've got Toast London to watch, so I'll check that out. All oh, right, cool. But yeah, lovely. I'm pleased they've got a bromance, Andrea. 
They are total bromance. Um, Is Jay Isaac English? Yes. <laughs> I know I've asked this before. Right, cool. He's yeah. um, a native of the land of Scouse, um, but I think he's lived in London since he was a kid, so... Scouser, eh? I wonder if he's a red or a blue lad, eh? He's a red. Is he a red? He's yeah. yeah. a good lad. <laughs> I know. I would have liked to remember him as a blue. Sorry, but that, that's just the way it is. Play I might have to play release play him from that basement now that I know he's a red. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as Liverpool have played Everton in about an hour and a half. So Yeah, don't worry, lads. We'll, we'll make sure you get off. Don't worry. Uh, I'll, I'll just go. If just, I'll, if I'll right behind way. you, John. I'll right behind you. I'll be, I'll be watching a bit of that football. It's weird, isn't it? With the, like, no sound and that. Although, I'm, when... I've got you... to put on Sky, you can put the crowd. You can choose yeah. crowd noise or no yeah. crowd noise. Yeah. I have crowd noise. It's just yeah. like... It's just odd. It's just like it's like watching some kids in a sports hall. Like <laughs> you can hear everything, yeah. can't you? Yeah, I mean, it's... they're brave, like because footballers like to swear when they haven't got the crowd noise on. I watched, I did watch match it there last night, and to be honest, when you're just doing highlights and that, I didn't really notice much because you had the crowd noise and it was kind of like a normalish format. But watching a full game, I kept flitting between crowd noise and no crowd noise. There you go. Anyway, oh. footy. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, okay. Get back to the <laughs> Do you spot Newcastle, Andrea? I do. Uh, uh, we just won 3 0 this afternoon. Good result. Yeah. Good result. Great result today, it was, though. Uh, crap for me fantasy football, but good result. For you. <laughs> What's happened to this podcast? Are we just. Uh, yeah. He'll have to edit it all out, won't he? We don't have to worry about things like that. You won't edit it out. Yeah, we like we like footy and that. Yeah, that's what you're. For God's sake, that's how bad I am. It's not really football. It's just terrible. Um, Sucky's going to read notes. Go on. No, I just quite liked uh, uh, what's her name, Cornwell, coming back. But this time she's now uh, putting laying down the law to Lorca. Why is Lorca? He's just being gungo and wants to go after everything because he's got the ultimate weapon uh, weapon mm. device I should say of uh, transporting into and out of danger and she's saying look the, this is the situation you're the only one with that device right we don't need you going into every single situation and he's like do it my way or no no way basically so do you he's think, just like do you think if Locke would still been on the uh, on the discovery at that point that uh, Michael Burnham would have had any say whether the tardigree gets released no, not, not no. at all. She'd have got told. Because I was, I was, I was quite surprised that Surrey was, um, uh, even when he found out that it's probably sentient, he still like, because they're on a war footing. It's like, uh, yeah, but fuck it. Yeah, well, he had to make a decision, didn't he? And, and and it was one like you say you wouldn't expect. Um, and by the way, we're going to com- uh, refer to Locker now as confirmed Red Locker. That's where he's going to be his new new name. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I think it, it has not going to catch on, Bob. I don't know what the. <laughs> what confirmed red? Confirmed he's Liverpool fan, so he's cool. Do you know what I mean? Well, Prime Lock is black and white though. He's had years of conditioning in my business. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> choice. You will like the tune. You will like the tune. There he is. Should have put a white bit, bit, a few white marks on him and look like he's in a tune tune top. Yeah, if you uh, look closely, you'll see the top of his head's cut off. But no, it's a, yeah. So he, he had to make that decision, and it was tough, and it made him more captain-like. Because I think Saru, by well, basically about time the fuck off, Andrew years in future, he's a great captain, I think. And this is the sort of foundation for him becoming that, um, and a very 
I just like I said before, just a class and interesting character played uh, astonishingly well by a 60 year old man who could go around on stilts all day. Yeah. Like the horns of Naimon, you know, whatever you know, whatever um, they had on there. I mean, it's it's incredible, really. Well, the thing the thing about that as well is that the I've got a small problem with. I mean, I like Discovery, right? But Michael Burnham being around is going to get in the way of anything decent happening with Saru. In terms of, I would love him to be the captain, but there's always going to be that shadow of Michael Burnham behind him if he does. Because she obviously thinks she should be the captain because she makes every decision on her own, regardless of like. I'd, I'd like what to see it become a, a Spock like character. I'd like to see her meld and become part of the team and yeah, like, rather than her, do it properly time. rather than um, well, rather the, than being this sort of exceptional character that kind of doesn't feel as though she belongs particularly. The yeah. the whole the whole concept of discovery was uh, the second in command of a of a ship right so they're going to get when third season that's going to come along it's probably going to be still Michael Burnham as a main primary character but she's still going to be second in command I think she'll be I think she'll be sorry captain she'll be um, she'll be separated from the rest of them for most of the season I think in series three yeah well they've got that new character in there David Ayala's character yeah there'll be a a bunch of new characters as well but I mean I think the fact that she's separated from the start means that we'll get at least half a season of trying to catch up with them the, uh, uh, and that's going to be like separated and I'd like, I'd like to see that them get together and, and do stuff but I think it might be quite a while before it happens where it happens the, yeah. okay. uh, the, uh, there's also something like uh, you can see why Burnham's not getting much sleep and being knackered and then when she's sleeping she's having these little nightmares of her being in the uh, the, the spore chamber right because you've got poor Tilly next to her snoring her head off right keeping her awake all the way through the night right so, oh, just, it's in the future get some noise cancelling bloody earpods yeah, well, this is it. difficult but she, she's <laughs> Burnham, the... get a fucking grip woman Oh my God! Oh my! It's Scotland's number one socialite. It's Lindsay, everyone. She's joined us. Oh, How honoured are we? Are you, Lindsay? Too much. You are. You missed. You missed us too much. I did. I did. Part timer. <laughs> <laughs> well, four weeks would be a very long time without seeing my lovely collection of irreverent, irrelevant women. Ah, oh, good. But you've had a nice time. You look smiley and happy, don't you? I'm very happy. She's not, like a she's not knitting, so that's a start. <laughs> she wants me. She's drinking. <laughs> to be, yeah, no, to be fair, I haven't. I've had quite a lot of tea and coffee, but <laughs> welcome back anyway. Um, so you know what we're doing? We're reviewing uh, this episode of Discovery. Uh, choose think? your pain. You got any notes or thoughts on it? Might as well get some off you. Yeah. So I think, like, I genuinely think this is. It's probably one of the best episodes of this season. Um, and it does a lot of kind of like character introduction development. I think if Discovery struggles anywhere, it's maybe that there are one or two too many arcing plot lines. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. It's full of angsty goodness. Why would I not love it? It is. We're all very positive about it, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah, very positive about. We've talked. We've we've gone through Saru's captaincy stuff and all that, Harry Mudd and everything, thing like that. It's just a cracker. Andrea, I'm going to come back to you. I think there are lots and lots of little Easter eggs in this episode. There are lots of nice little kind of like buried away. There's um, Saru's screen, um, which references the Starfleet's most decorated 
sort of captains. So there's Robert April, which is a yes. nice throwback to the animated series, um, yeah. which I think is probably the hardest one to, to kind of get from that list. Um, obviously, Jonathan Archer. So we've got a throwback to Enterprise. Um, you've got Matthew Decker, which is sort of throwback to the episode Doomsday Machine. You've got Giorgio and you've got sort of Christopher Pike. So you, you've got some some very familiar names in there and you've, you've got some slightly more obscure ones. Um Who's the, one from, who's the one from Doomsday? Sorry, Andrea. Who? Uh, Matthew Decker. Decker. I do. That rings a bell. It does ring a bell. He's Matt Decker, Commodore Matt Decker. Right. Um, so you've got those. You've got Mud, which is a little bit. It's a TOS throwback, but I think it's better than just fan service because I think he does get a. He, he gets quite a his own little sort of side storyline. He comes back. He, he's there for a reason. Um, there's a few other little ones. There's a little reference to the Daystrom Institute. Yes. Um, which will sort of pop back up in other guises that pop up in TNG. Um, obviously, Picard is quite an important role there. Um, so that there's quite a few little kind of little nods to other things, which I always think is quite nice. Um, I think Mary Chifo is a, is a massively underrated sort of performance in this um, because it, if you meet her in real life, she is such a smiling sort of ball of joy. Um, Who is that one, Sir um, It's Who plays Laurel. Um, oh, right, yes. She is completely, she's the, the sort of antithesis of a character and I think even, so yeah, she, she's got prosthetics and, and makeup, but putting that aside, she really inhabits that role. Um, and I know she did a lot of kind of language work, um, not just around speaking Klingon, but how would someone who spoke Klingon speak English? Um, and I think she's someone who really kind of takes that element of the sort of of her acting seriously and, and puts a lot of graft into that. Um, she and I think a really she good was... scream as well. That was a proper scream when <laughs> she gets burned. She's class. She's super scary as well. It's all up because when you don't know what's going on with her and Tyler, she is so sinister and scary. And is she nice? Is she what's going on? Like she does it so well. She's brilliant. And we've also touched touch on the, the slight prosthetics issue of like hands. Prosthetics on hands uh, are just always weird. Yes. Like, <laughs> prosthetic fingers are weird. Saru's prosthetic hands are weird. I'm glad we don't see. I'm, gl- I'm glad we don't see any prosthetic feet because I might throw up. It's just like it's but, gross. The uh, the torture scene was where I, I questioned some of the prosthetics that was on Laurel's face there, yeah. uh, because it was seen to be shone quite brightly, and they just seemed to be like where the join between the bottom of her lip, the bottom lip, and her chin just seemed to be like slightly come away. I don't know if any of you noticed that. I noticed something, but I thought that might well be just how the Klingons were at the time, because obviously they change design in yeah. season two, don't they? Yeah. Bit. But the, the the bit about uh, well, they get hair. They the rails, yeah. they get hair, don't they? That's the difference because they don't go well, they, when they, they go to war, war. They go bald. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the difference is quite significant though when you look at some of the like the guards that were going in and beating them up and choose your pain. Them them guards, even if you put hair on them, they would look nothing like like the, the Klingons you get further down the line. <laughs> the yeah, so it's really weirdly designed. Imagine sucky on me. Imagine sucky without a beard. <laughs> there's photos on Facebook. You can you don't have to imagine. There's loads of photos out there. I'm just trying to imagine it now. I can't. <laughs> don't go into your little mind space now. You know we've got an episode to record. You could be lost for ages. Oh, don't, I don't want to lose you, Bob. Just come back to us. Come back. That's better. Come back. Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest and say like um, that, that sort of. Uh, 
Lorca strapped to a chair scene, I have nothing good or appropriate to say about that. <laughs> good, it, good it's then. so wrong, it's right. I just, I have nothing clean to say. I'm just going to shut up. You see, like, this whole episode was written to please me on a very different vein. Because, like, from, like, the, the, the light of sensitivity moments at the start, like, the chats with Cornwall, like, all of that just pleases my little angsty medical loving heart um, yes but you're right like he's strapped to a chair like it's, at the end of the day that, that's, like, like there's penetration and he's strapped to a chair like where's the penetration where's the penetration he shoots a thing into his eye earlier it's very dramatic that's not penetration he's just having a little tap isn't he with his pen there is an item that is inserted into another item that I think is the definition of penetration. When? I think that sounds like penetration's a thing for you, Lindsay. I don't understand whether that's... I think I wrote this script. Have we spoken about Admiral Cornwall yet? No, only briefly. So, this is a character that I think is really interesting. I love the fact that she is like a medical specialist who has ended up in the Admiralty. I, I, like, it, it, the logic of some of that is a bit interesting, but I really enjoy her relationship with Lorca, like the, the bit of like banter that they have. And obviously with four or like with, um, with hindsight, that changes quite a lot when you realize that perhaps Lorca is not entirely what he seems. Um, I, get, I get the impression that their, that their relationship must have been pre-Baran time. So, did she have a relationship with Prime Lorca and then with Mirror Lorca? Well, the whole point is that she knew Prime Lorca quite well, like that they were. And then he changed after the, the the crash, or when he when we think he came into the to the other universe. Yeah, I think. Start sleeping with him then, or was that like? No, no, she already, she already, he was a lovely, friendly kind of man, and then when the war, so when the war came and um, he, he destroyed his I, I get you. his yeah. crew, that's when he, you know, he became, or he was then. Because um, he got a little he bit bad, so he became more. But that's also because he was then mirror. Um, so yeah, it's all a bit complicated, I think. But she's an interesting character, and I enjoy her, and I enjoy her kind of. Locker enjoys it too. <laughs> he enjoys her character. I have issues with some things that happened in other episodes, but we shall put those aside because those are other episodes. Um, but she does. She comes in as she refers to him as Lorca to the crew, which I thought was a bit weird. Mm. Like. She doesn't like if she'd called him Gabriel, I would have got that, or if she'd called him Captain Lorca, I would have got that. But like, I can't imagine an admiral walking into a group of, of um, officers on the Enterprise and being like, "Picard has been taken." Yes. Like, it, it that didn't feel that, quite. Yeah, it didn't sound right to me either. In the cool. scheme of in the scheme of nitpicks, it's a very small one. <laughs> well, you know, it's consistency. Discovery yeah. season one did suffer from such things. It did, but you know what? Rewatching this has reminded me how much I loved it. Yeah. I actually think yeah. I preferred season one Discovery to season two. I look, yeah, no, hundred percent. I, 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 I love and season one. Given that I have not much interest in Michael Burnham and even less in Ash Tyler, like the Ash Tyler Vox thing, I just like I think partly because there was so much fan speculation that it became everything, but we also pretty much knew like that. I didn't. I didn't. now. Yeah, we figured it out before. And oh, I, didn't, I didn't either, and it was but great. This, 
this the the, the whole inconsistency between inconsistency in Discovery season one is all down to all the background shenanigans that was probably going on at the time as well because you had uh, I think oh, yeah, Alex Kurtz twenty three show when it's yeah you had loads of people coming in and then like, leaving and so on. like I think it's particularly noteworthy to talk about how good it is and like it's so funny because like I haven't watched Discovery in ages. And I went back and I watched this episode and I was like, I just love it. Like, I love the look of it. I love the sound of it. I love, like, oh, I was like, oh, Stamets. Oh, bless Stamets. Like, yeah. I hadn't thought of Stamets outside of um, Stamets and Colbert and their significance to the franchise as a couple for ages. And actually, I was just like, oh, bless Stamets. And, like, the tour degrade. And, like, I was yeah. just, it was, it's the first time in a wee while that I've watched Star Trek and just kind of been swept up in my like love of the thing yeah, which is no, okay Discovery does that really well Discovery is very intense and very action packed most weeks whereas I think season 2 they try and slow it down a little bit uh, and the, the arc's a bit strange and yeah I'm not I, I do like season 2 but I much prefer season 1 yeah, I'd probably, dis- probably disagree I think season season 1 uh, came under a lot of criticism uh, particularly for that action-packed 100 mile an hour nothing stopping kind of thing yeah and people were crying out for a little bit of character development especially for the bridge crew yeah uh because it feels you need it you need to know the bridge crew on any star trek that you're on because they're part of the thing and i think they didn't start doing that until season two which is why for me personally season two is a little bit better character and, development yeah i Does think they developed your favorite character did they a real challenge in the fact that when you don't have 26 episodes in a season yeah. it's really hard to do everything well, and they should be doing 26 episodes in a fucking season then shouldn't they I thought it was 10 episodes so when I rewatched it I thought it was 10 and I, was, I, mean, I always thought it was episode 5 where it switched around so I forgot it was 15 episodes a season so I was quite buzzing about that um, but uh, this is this is like I said this is the one where a lot of things happen that you don't know at the time and it's just awesome I was well chuffed you picked it again because I've only watched it recently but I watched it again obviously for this and I enjoyed it even more you know because I saw more in it it's one of them you can keep going back particularly after you've watched the, the, the full thing of Discovery and just go wow 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 that did that, oh he's going to be a Klingon and you know all this kind of stuff it's cool it's a great app it's interesting because, like, I think, like, what I said at the start, or my uh, my abrupt entrance, is <laughs> about, um, like, it's suffering from, like, too many plot arcs. I think, for me, we could have got a bit more character development and a bit more room to breathe if, for example, we hadn't had the Vox storyline. Now, part of that is that I'm not bothered by it, so if you took it out, I wouldn't really care. Um, but, like, I don't think it would be that hard to construct the season without it. And I think we could have just given more space and more time to some of the bridge crew. And we still would have had the same arc. We still would have had, like, you know, we still would have had the mirror intrigue. We still would have had the Klingon war. But it wouldn't have been subsumed in this. Like, because particularly, like, the the relationship stuff between Tyler and Burnham and uh, Laurel and all of that stuff, it just took up so much time and I just well, could not appear Who are your main characters? You've got to see Lorca... Um, Burnham, Saru, Tilly, Stamets. Stamets. So you've got, you know, if you think about a Star Trek, they usually have an ensemble of roughly seven, don't they? That you sort of 
get to know Pat Fino extras like Naomi Wildman that John loves and stuff. Um, <laughs> fucking um, Naomi Wildman. You, you do have I a lot. You wanted to put out a disclaimer to say you didn't actually hear. You were just like. Don't know what you're talking about. I absolutely detest it. <laughs> But but it's uh, yeah you you have got you have do have a lot of characters there yes you don't get to know the sort of people on the bridge but there's more characters to get to know if you if you see what I mean so it does have a good ensemble cast that you yeah. do you know I get... think this is a, like this decidedly off topic but I think for me the, the struggle with season two and to, like season one to a certain extent but more season two is that the because they've made the decision that Michael Burnham is a central character it's much harder to hang plot arcs around her when she's not naturally in command of the situations. Yeah. Which is why I think the captains have always ended up as like really the primary focus, because actually you kind of need the character that you, you want people to care about most and who you're going to speak about most to be at the forefront of pretty much every situation. And yeah, because it'd, it'd, it'd be weird if it was... I mean, you could probably get away with it to a degree with Spock. You know, uh, well, that triumphant, if you like. But you could, you, you couldn't have Riker, you know, or, or any other sort of number, number one, sort yeah. of leading kind of thing. Um, but I mean, she's an interesting character for all of the foibles. Uh, from well, the that, point of, well, no, sorry. that's that's what you were saying is right. But I think because we don't have a twenty-six series episode arc, there's no time for like individual cast episodes. No, which you got. So, like, we we have we had occasionally ones where Riker goes off and does his thing, uh, and we and we just don't have time in a fifteen. But also, also you, to do anything that's not directly in in the in service to the arc. What I was saying before about the spar driver, the jumping. So I know it sounds going to be a bit daft, but on all the other ones, you had time when they were just warping. So they had all this time and the episodes to get to know characters and there was a lot a lot of just on the ship episodes wasn't there mm. um, whereas this it's like wham bam thank you ma'am I'm here I'm there boom, 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 I'm everywhere it's uh, it's the Game of Thrones thing isn't it um, <laughs> yeah, where yeah the Game of Thrones up to a certain point they were doing a lot of travelling a lot of stuff happened you got lots of character development and then it stopped but then they got a spore drive and it was nobody <laughs> nobody enjoyed nobody enjoyed uh, fast travel uh, stuff because the, the meat of this this meal that we're being served is in the characters, not in the plot. And they missed. I think they mistaked that, mistook Mis that, mistook that, isn't it, John? Mistook. I can't believe I just corrected you in English. It's I amazing. already corrected myself before you, did, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, there's, there's an interesting conversation there about the fact that the difference between joining a crew at the start of an arc, which is obviously what we do with Discovery. And joining the crew when by there's like something crazy happens, and then we just kind of go, oh, and now it's next week, and yeah. oh, we're just getting on with things. So like with TNG, you get your like, oh, cube, ah, cube. Um, but then the next week they're just going about doing their job, or like even in Voyager, whereby they're flung to the other side of the galaxy. But week two, they're like, right, okay, so now we're living in this galaxy, let's do a thing. Whereas with Discovery, it's like, ah, there's a war, and then like episode two, three, I guess, is like, oh, we're in a war, we're doing a war thing, we're doing a war thing, ah, like. But you don't get that space to break. Like I think you just want a bit more of a, a daily life on the ship to allow you to get to know these people outside of crisis. Yeah, that's, that's why I think the strange, uh, not Stranger Things, Strange, strange New Worlds thing we'll do might be more like that. Might be more episodic. Which, yeah. and as long as they don't try to, like the problem is, of course, that the each episode looks so beautiful. There is so much money put into each episode that time is of a, a, of a premium. They don't have cheap sets anymore. 
they they have amazing CG. There's too much money in it looking good, but not enough in just like making also, it the, the audience, the audience's tolerance isn't as high. Uh, you know, people's attention span isn't as long. In fact, it's nowhere near as long. Do you know what I mean? So this is Star Trek coming back after what? I don't know if that's entirely correct, but I mean, no, yeah, I'm not. I'm, just, not say, I'm not saying us, but if if they're wanting to get new watchers on board and things like that, that have never really experienced Star Trek, which Discovery, you know, Picard maybe not so much, but Discovery was trying to do. They they use this fast-paced TV, you know, this kind of stuff, and paints over the cracks, though. That does. That's the thing. Yeah. <clears throat> what the, the what sh- do you mean? No, go for it, Suki. No, all I was going to say was that the series, it was set up as an arc straight away from the beginning. It was set up as an arc, and it was set up with one showrunner. They brought it back a two episode, uh, like big movie, like which is like over two episodes, and that was like a standalone. But they had to continue with that arc all the way through, and it was with different showrunners who were all putting their, all these elements in. And by the time it comes towards the end, they had to start taking these some of these elements or just making sure that the story closed on these elements now all this was going on they couldn't really go around expanding on other characters no. right they needed to concentrate on the story to be able to get it to from whatever it started at the beginning of the season to whatever it ended at the end they could have gone around maybe putting in a couple of bottle uh, bottle episodes just which focused on one or two members of the crew but if they'd only got that limited amount of episodes they were just going to concentrate on the on the R and that's what they did well, I think, I think See, for me. Oh, oh go on, go on, I was just going to say that, like, for me, and it kind of it all pivots around this question of um, Burnham being the, the lead character, because in episode three, I feel like if they had just given us the majority or like a portion of that episode that was solely based on like stuff happening on the ship and like the crew just doing their job and like like you could have given that space and we would have like Michael Burnham would have been picked up and then we could have been. But rather, we come at it from Michael Burnham's perspective. I mean, it was just, I, I think, I think they, they were just implanted into the crew, and we are implanted with her. And I understand that that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. Just think, it would be easier to be invested in like the crew as a whole if we'd done it the way around. But one of the one of the issues I think is that the um, when there's exciting stuff happening, it's it's not as exciting if you haven't got the mundane to contrast against it with. And you do if you see the, the you see the crew going about their daily stuff, doing stuff, little stories, little interpersonal stuff. When the ship goes down, it means more. Mm. When, uh, currently, with the, the style of which they're doing it, when the ship goes down, it's just like another fucking day, isn't it? Well, I, I think so I do. Now, I, I mean, uh, for me, I'm out of here. I need to say. Well, what we really are saying is that we we need to get Prime Lorca back. Obviously, um, no, that's necessary. That's well, really, they just let him go. 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 About how the crew comes to terms with that, about the person they thought they knew, but it turns out they didn't. But actually, this isn't the same person, so we can't really judge them. But actually, that's really difficult. Like that would have been a really interesting piece. Plus, you get to kill Jason Isaacs a second time on a show. That would be amazing. <laughs> you not kill him, and that would be delightful. Be yes, I may or may not have foraged. I, I, I think. I think. Quite a lot, but like for me, that is a much more interesting 
It is, but I think, I think season two was basically trying to correct canon and bringing in Christopher Pike and Spock and things like that. It was It was completely for the fans who had been whinging for a season of decent Star Trek, I, I believe, anyway. Um, but it would have been fascinating. That would have been classy, right, Linz? To it. It's perfectly possible that they could come back to him, but I think there's there's definitely like a mine there that they could. Yeah. We may only see it in the novels, but I think it would have been a really good choice for the show. I think the, I think the first two episodes of uh, Discovery did feel a little bit like Star Trek, and then it just went in a new direction, which I, I can say I, I loved. Um, right, quick fire, Andrea. I've got well. Uh, to be honest, I think I've been very good and I've been very, very restrained. Boo, but boo. I really, really think that it needs to be said and mentioned just how fucking damn fine that Lorca looks in his prison outfit. His jacket <laughs> open, his yeah. little bit of blood on his head, his bum in those pants is just—it's spectacular. It, it, It's—you can have all you like. That is the most beautiful sight in the entirety of Discovery Series One, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> All the CGI uh, bollocks. Many scenes in which I get very angry that nobody wipes the blood off their face. Like, just wipe his face. He looks good with it. He suits a bit. Like, he always has a bit of blood on his forehead. It's it's like a. a I know, it's even worse when they're in the mirror universe. So and just to cut, just to like a splattering of blood for like three hours. Has it looked hot? And also, Lindsay, you're into medical stuff. Why don't you like that? You're yes. into that. Because it's not, like I like medical things to be treated or for them to be like part of the crises that we need to fix. So like, not just, not just hot blood. <laughs> no, like, hot, hot, hot blood is just like, oh, which, for me, I want that to be treated. Like that, for me, that's, that's what I want. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Andrew, Andrew would take great joy in treating him. It's just uh, a bad There's two of us here who've both written like Discovery fan fiction, which in some way is about like, Pain and suffering. We just come at it from very, very. <laughs> we really do. We really, really do. Like, that, like it's it's so it, it, it couldn't be any more different. Oh. Uh, I, also, I love how Suki's leafing through something that makes it looks like he's like he's printed off everything we've ever written. <laughs> I was going to say, well, if you want uh, to, if you want to check uh, out his, any of this fanfic, it's, it's in it's in the links in our notes, by the way. So if you want to check out some of Lindsay and Andrea's fanfic, it's the the links are in the notes. There no, you go. That's like, it's very gender stereotyped. I feel like we've definitely uh, like we're we're living up to expectations that it's the girls <laughs> who write the fanfic. Well, I might have a go at writing some fanfic. It'll be great, and <laughs> not well, very well Thing on boobs. Klingon dwarf boobs, probably. Right. That'll be my right. main focus and character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so don't worry, I'm not writing any fan Why not? Quick fire. Andrea, have you got much uh, left? I I also think, just to, to tie in into that scene, I, I feel like there's a chap called Jeff Meach who deserves like a shout out. And he was um he was Jason's stunt double in series one and he was Anson Mount's stunt double in series two. If you would like to Google Jeff Meach, I promise you won't be disappointed. <laughs> he is, he's is, a he like a, is he like a crossbreed between the two? He is a beautiful specimen. Um, <laughs> and, and clearly at some point it is in fact his bum in those pants. So I, I think hats off to so the yeah, stunt man double, as well. Yeah, double the pleasure there. <laughs> Oh, oh, that, eh? I've gone off on a tangent now. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I think Jeff started working very tight trousers <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the scenes, and I'm I'm very proud of that. Um, <laughs> I feel like we should call out the costume designer as well, but I can't remember her name. 
Gersha Phillips. Gersha Phillips. Yes, because those are uniforms. Honestly. I don't know that I would want to wear one. I don't know that it would do me any favours. Um, <laughs> but they are beautiful and they look beautiful on the people who have to wear them. We've got an issue with uniforms, though, because you can't identify red shirts. It's like clearly the bald guy in the shuttlecraft is the red shirt, but like he, he's quite hard to spot in those discovery uniforms. So it's the, a bit the, less the, obvious. The, the, is it gold and silver that have is the on the colours? Yeah, they've got gold, silver, and bronze. I think. Is it bronze, right? Okay. Uh, unless you're wearing super secret service black. Bum bum bum. Um, yeah. Uh, Andrea, is is that you done, dear? Um, I've, I've talked about bottoms. Um, I think in terms of wasted opportunity, um, although they decided to take it in a different way, I think it's sort of a shame that that story about the Baran wasn't true because um, I think there was a massively interesting sort of human story to be told there. I mean, it's a red herring to kind of explain why he's this kind of kind of dark, strange captain. But I think like if he had blown his crew up, with those intentions, I think that there would have been a really interesting, quite, but it would have been a very different show. Um, but I think that's a that's kind of a thread that I think that someone could have pulled. Um, so doesn't mean last. Hmm? Oh no, I was just going to say, like, I will, I will only briefly visit this tangent. But for me, like, the fascinating thing about that is that it has to be a decision that people believe that Prime Lorca might make in those circumstances in order for it to have worked. So he's got to be a bit of a tool, then, really, hasn't he? He's got to be like he's got to be a bit like because because Lorca speaks all the time about like you know sacrificing the greater good and all this kind of like whatever it takes. Where have we heard that recently? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I've just discovered that Rishi Sunak is in fact from the Murray Universe. <laughs> it was what would not surprise me for one second. <laughs> and, like all the way through this, like however unreasonable Lorca is called out for being. The fact that he is not discharged for being medically, like for being psychologically unwell, means that he is not so far away from Prime's personality that people kind of like people were willing to accept that he would do that. Is it not though? Is it not a much more critical look at Starfleet? Because obviously, he's been a captain who's kind of operated on the fringes of. of of kind of what's officially accepted but if you think like holistically the, the kind of talk about the tardigrade as like an asset uh, um, and that willingness to kind of use that creature to meet an ends and it, it's a much kind of it's probably a slightly more realistic uh, sort of depiction of a military organization and i think when mud makes that speech about the klingon pushback and starfleet arrogance and that sort of Starfleet does have this kind of culture and cultural sort of homogeneity, which I can kind of find myself agreeing with him a little bit. But like, he might have a little bit of a point. Um, and it, it is, and I think people found that quite hard that Starfleet aren't necessarily saints, particularly in this kind of time period, and and everyone's not a, a complete goody goody. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with the outrage because Tilly says so fucking cool. Um, when in reality, I would say that swearing in in sort of public, in conversation, on television, has become more and more socially acceptable than it was in the past. You know, it, it's much more than never. Why would swearing disappear from society? It's it, like it, it reflects current. All TV reflects our current sort of state of affairs. So that's why we've got a general mistrust. It starts here, a general mistrust of Starfleet that 
goes on into the Picard universe as well. So I think, uh, yeah, and I think we are in a situation where we're allowed to swear nowadays because I think the realisation is that it's only a word, get a grip. So I think... That's what I've said for fucking 25 years. We've got to be careful, though, because there are still words that aren't really culturally or socially appropriate. What, like... I agree with you. (laughs) Here we go. Come on. Come on, kids. I'm entirely sober, not buying into that argument. Um, I'll tell you what, the last podcast was amazingly hilarious. You two were on fire. It was great. Um, Andrea, it's, been is that, rough. it's been rough, people. Is that, is that, is, are you expended now, if all of you know? My final point is that open scene with Tilly snoring. It's oh. like meant to be like, oh, you know, it's just like the snorry roommate. I'm sorry, right, that snoring was shit. Like, none of those people have ever shared a hotel room with Deb. <laughs> <laughs> Like, John has like that's not snoring. That's like just like Loki making a slight noise in your sleep. Like that is snoring. Like I was like, you cannot possibly be annoyed by that little noise that that girl's making. Clearly, yeah. just left on Vulcan too long because you know. Yeah. We should. The Vulcans there. not snore. You should. Well, I can't imagine that they would be allowed to. It doesn't feel like a very Vulcan thing. Uh, well, I'm gonna bunk up with the Vulcan next time we go to a convention because it'd be fucking. <laughs> do Vulcans fart? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Can you imagine Sarek farting though? Imagine squeaking one out. Yeah, can. Can you imagine Sarek going, "Go on, pull my finger"? <laughs> I couldn't imagine that. Uh, cool. Well, thank you, Andrea. Uh, I'll come to you next, okay? We got any more notes? Uh, the only one that I don't, don't think I mentioned was Andrea was going on about uh, uh, Laurel has some quite good English. It, she does say in, in the script like, uh, that she's descended from spies. So she's picked up uh, the language skills uh, as she's come from a family of spies. And that is all my notes because everything has been uh, picked over by the rest of you guys. John? Uh, Same, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to see on it. Lindsay? Um, The only other thing that I would pull out is um, the use of like the crazy ice orange. Um, It's quite interesting because, again, it's uh, remembering the discovery is set prior to most of other Star Trek so it's taken it a little bit kind of more more primitive in some ways um, despite all of its shiny edges and all of its very swanky modern looking exciting yeah. graphics and yeah. stuff Con- confirmed as well confirmed that wasn't penetration that I bit was it, it was not penetration that was just a little tap anyway <laughs> let's put some lights on this <laughs> how many lights you see yeah. oh! I asked how many lights you see. Let's put some lights on this bad boy. I'm going to come to you first, Andrea, as you pick this story. Give me some lights. I'm going to give it a 4.8. What um, the hell? Uh, it was a 4.5, but the bonus points for bums in tight trousers. Um, <laughs> you give it an extra point two for each cheek. Full yeah, five. and there's an extra point because <laughs> I really love that Discovery haircut, but it's also it's what we use as a benchmark to try and work out if he shot anything for Star Trek because we know from the shape of the side of his hair whether he's got his Star Trek haircut or not. Oh, Star Trek sideburns. <laughs> exactly, we, we know. Do we know that they were his? Because quite a lot of people have to have them faked. I think he like, cut like his fake, he cut his like fake chest hair. Well. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like apparently most of the men just have rogue. to have them like fake because like Star Trek sideburns are a real thing, but actually apparently loads of guys can't grow them. So yeah. as soon no, as we finish the video call, I'll just take my beard off and walk. I, <laughs> I was 15 when I could grow sideburns. I remember it very well. I was so happy. I always wanted a beard from an early age. Um, yeah, when I got sideies, I was buzzing. I had them right down there. Yeah, yeah, I had probably around chucks at one point yeah. I had as well. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Did anyone see Andy Carroll's hair? No, no. Yes. I, if yes. you haven't seen it, it's worth Googling what it what? looked like today. It's, it was it's like, yeah, it's like uh, what is it? Uh, like late, uh, late 19th centuries. Oh, uh, that's God. It, chops. That's late 19th I, I don't even know who we're talking about. Well, it's it's for, we're talking footy again. And I'll have to check that out. Is he back at Newcastle? Yeah, he had yeah. mutton chops and a bun. It was yeah. just like oh, the most man. interesting mishmash of hair I've seen. Was he any good? Did he score? No, no he didn't. He didn't get injured, though, which he is always That is a, a bonus, isn't it? Andy <laughs> Carroll was like pipped to be awesome. Well, he remember when he kept Liverpool. Yeah. That was yeah. that. Anyway, enough of this. Actually, I'm going to just quickly touch on this because. Um, it was in the Palace match or whatever, Bournemouth match. I started a match there. And they went. Uh, I think the only person not to live with a hairdresser um, was uh, Andro- Andros Townsend. Andros Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, massive. He looked mint, yeah, like awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> yeah. well, obviously, I don't have to think about hair because I just shave it off and go on being. But yeah. Lions, man. Well, I didn't realise when I went to see my mum and that the other day. I've not seen him for a while. And all I talked about was, oh, look at me hair. I was like, yeah cool don't give a shit uh, but yeah so Andros Townsend is the only premiership footballer that doesn't live with a hairdresser apparently there we go so we got I mean, I'm a football fan and I don't give a shit about that comment either Lindsay so we're good <laughs> Andrea are we going 4.8 or 5 yep 4.8 yep stick in alright it's okay I'm gonna go for it was a good episode I enjoyed it uh, that's all I can say yep 4 4 lights Yes, Lindsay. Let come a let come a Lindsay. I too. I'm gonna to go with a solid four likes. Oh, John boy. Yeah, four for me too. It's a good episode. A good example of all the good parts of uh, Discovery season one as well. So yeah, four. I'm gonna go five lights out of five. Of course, you yeah, least whatever. That happened. Yeah, because it's awesome. Well, no, I fucking love this one, and I was happy to go back and watch it again. I loved it on the first viewing, and I even loved it more on third viewing. So I it's the best ever because you give it hundred percent mark. Uh, yeah, you have no idea what you're doing, do you, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> five, 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 five. Fuck you. Enough oh, of what we think. Let's find out what you think in listeners' feedback. Let's find out what you guys think in our listeners' feedback section to this episode. All right, Sucky, do you fancy reading out the first one? Yes, we've got young Mark Atkinson, and he's put... um, I don't know. I find that I don't really fully engage with Discovery for some reason. I do like it, though, and enjoyed re-watching this episode. Great special effects, and it all looks very lovely. I think I need to rewatch Bow Seasons in full at some point. It's a 7.9 out of 10 from me. Strong, Mark. Cheers, Strong. Man. Thanks very much, Mark. Uh, Andrea? Um, we've got Blue Cat, um, hashtag stay the fuck at home. Um, it was Marjamir on um, Twitter, um, one of the basement gang. Uh, it says compliments to the lighting designer who, I don't know what that word is. Limped. Limped. I don't know. What does that, what does that mean? It's like a halo. You're limbed in light. 
Oh, that, his bum does need a halo. Um, is lots of fine bu- firm buns with a tasteful clarity. Is it Baron or Baran? Mudge shown to be an inglorious bastard for sure. Tyler and Locker get off to a good start as colleagues. Laurel has quite a scream. Haha, <laughs> Mudge, you ain't going nowhere. This is one of my favourite DSC episodes, hands down. How Saru intuits that the one peacock ship is the escapee. Uh, what a bastard he acts towards Stamet. Great moments from a lot of cast members. Excellent, thank you. Uh, John Boy. Uh, sheer wrecking hubris says, Choose Your Pain is a packed episode of flipping awesomeness. So many elements like the tardy grade and how that affects Stamets and Corba. Saru develops beyond guy who was a bit cross with Burnham as we explore his ambitions and fears around captaincy. The whole Lorca bit is flipping great. We meet Clem Fandango at last. Most of all, I love the reintroduction of Harry Mudd. You believe this mud is truly a nasty piece of work, as befits his plans in TOS, but he also makes you laugh, albeit slightly uncomfortably at points. Mm. Thank you. Lindsay? Uh, So I have got a comment from Emma J. One of my favourite Discovery episodes, great introduction for Rain Wilson's mud and Shazid Latif's Ash Tyler. My main focus was Lorca's prisoner aesthetic of open jacket and well-placed camera angles, great dialogue and scenery chewing from all the cast. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, I've got Lucy23 on Twitter. Uh, it is one of my favourite episodes. Jason Isaacs offers a strong interpretation. Mud is introduced into the series in an excellent way. The whole story is written very well and allows the actors involved to make a significant contribution. Sucky. We've got Cliff uh, Ships Deep Dive at Deep Ships, and he's put a great episode that fully engaged a lot of characters. Saru comes across a bit power mad, and his true anger comes out to burn him. Lorca and Ash in prison. I'm sure many lady fans slid off their chair watching them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Mud, he's played so well. The one that is such a tosser, you can't help but want to see more of the conniving rich will do next. Uh, Stamets really shines as a hero, and you see another side of the character. Also, is it just me, but did you think Ash was boasting he had stayed alive for six months by being Klingon sex toy? Uh, lucky sod, eight out of ten. <laughs> Cheers, Cliff. Cheers, Sheps. Uh, Andrea. Oh, I've got an essay from Deb. Aye. Um, it's actually harder to write my comments on Choose Your Pain than I thought. I love Discovery, but I really, really love Lorca. No shit. Um, <laughs> but my thoughts were how lovely Lorca's bum looked in the tight uniform when he stood side on. Mm-hmm. and how jealous I was of Mary T4 getting to rub her hands through Locker's hair but I will try to focus on the story Discovery poses lots of morality questions that challenge and formulate the principles of Starfleet does the ends justify the means should Ripper be sacrificed to save Locker answer yes it's Locker when can principles be sacrificed to achieve a bigger goal answer when it's Locker are mushrooms fucking cool answer yes but Locker is fucking hot <laughs> We're still learning about the crew and the episode, and I love them all, especially Lorca. And there is much we can learn about everyone here, and so many clues as to where the series is going with the Stamets Murrah thing and Lorca leaving mud behind with the Klingons. Apparently, leaving and treacherous, lying fellow prisoners to be tortured is not very Starfleety. There is so much to write, but I can't because I'm still thinking of Lorca. Why did they have to kill him, the bastards? Mira Giorgio was far more evil than Lorca, and they adopted her, bastards. I do love Graham Wilson as Harry Mudd. Played beautifully and... Slimingly? Slimingly? Slimingly. Oh, I think she's disappeared. Oh. Oh, no. 
Hang on, I've lost me. It's you gone off. Red. My Alf. technology's just frying today. Um, you got it, slimmingly. Yeah. Uh, to push Lotto and Tyler together, I wondered what happened to Stuart. So I was going to write now about how I like to leave because she's a nerdy geek who talks too much and I identify, but it's no good. I need to go away and think of Lotto a bit more. Vin, please rehabilitate Prime Lotto so he can be released into the wild again. Mm-hmm. And if you can get him off the hobnobs and monster one so he can get into that tight suit again, I'd really be grateful. Conclusion, great episode and I love Lotto. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, so, Deb seems to like Lotto a little bit, doesn't she? Didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, John Boy, do you want to finish us off? Uh, B at Becky Coburn eighty two says love Ash Tyler. His story was epic, painful, and beautiful. Thank Lovely. you. Thank you very much, everyone, for writing in. Um, is that all of it? I believe it is. I think it Lindsay is. Lindsay sent feedback, didn't she? Do you want to read out your own feedback, Lindsay? No, because I was here. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. It's time to vote for the red shirt. Red shirt time. I'm going to come to you first, Sucky. Who is your red shirt this time? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure who to vote for because it's been a great episode this week because we yeah, nice, all it? enjoyed it yeah. Yeah, and uh, we've all had a good time. So I'm going to go for the one with the big tardiness, which is going to be Lindsay. 50 ah, minutes late, <laughs> right. minutes late Lindsay. Right, so, uh, sorry, Lindsay. You've, you've had that before, Lindsay, haven't you? You always get in trouble for your tardiness. I can't imagine you being like this at school. Imagine you were there on time. Hello. <laughs> are, you, are you always late? Is that your thing? No, <laughs> not my thing. I, d- I just like being late immensely. I just had other priorities this afternoon. Oh, well, there we go. So Sorry. one, one, for, one for, for, for Lindsay. Uh, Andrea? I'm nominating John. Ah! Um, Why? For the benefit of, of listeners who can't see what I can see, um, <laughs> his background um, on Skype it is of the dingiest, most hideous basement um, with Jason Isaacs lurking in the corner. There is no area of my house looks that minging. Um, and we have a heating bathroom shop, so that fucking boiler in the corner just like would not fly in my house. So like, I think you need to revise your basement expectations. Also, there's no chains or anything in there. Like, What am I meant to do in that space? Like. <laughs> mattress what more do you want <laughs> you know, Lorella had a sex chair why couldn't I have a sex chair like, it's not good enough like yeah, John come back next yeah. week oh, yeah. you've, you've heard Andrea's thoughts in your basement and it needs rectifying um, so that's one for John and one for, for Lindsay John well um, I don't have any particular beef with anybody this week so I'm going to pick uh, you Bob that was cool. Absolutely, I thought I was going to get that one. No, Why? no, no, you're not going to. I'm glad you turned up so I could have somebody I could say the word cunt to and upset. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why have you gone for me, John? Um. Oh. Uh, hold on, I'll think of something. Um. Uh, yeah, your brief T-shirt looks shit. What? what the Is that like Pop brief? No, Reef the band, the greatest band that's ever walked the planet. It does look like the logo for Reef alcohol well, beverage. I went, when I went to watch him in Hull, I've seen him loads of times, uh, they, they actually sold Reef, so it was like being back in the 90s again. I was drinking Reef, watching Reef. <laughs> it was great. And then we had some Hooch. You remember Hooch? So I had Hooch and Reef. Oh, the acid reflex was uh, devastating. <laughs> so one, one, for, one, one for me. Getting, one, getting, one, I'm one. getting you a uh, red shirt just for that acid reflex statement. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lindsay, who are you voting for? Um, I'm going to vote for Vern. Or apologies, Andrea. Um, Again, do you know that? She's done that a lot, you know. I know. I'm just I'm 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 here. Yeah. Yeah, there's an agenda. I don't know. 
voted for John. Anyway, <laughs> um, only because Andrea is the reason that I probably fell down the Lorca rabbit hole quite as spectacularly as I did. She corrupted me and uh, captured me and turned me into one of the founding members of Team Basement. Um, I Do you think Finn's one of the reasons you brought up penetration in the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> See, Facebook has been responsible for me doing lots of things I might not normally have done. Do you know what? I'm going to own that because like, I, I read Deb's review and like I've also corrupted Deb. I, I, I think it's fair I to say that. I don't think that girl needs much corrupted, Andrea, to be fair. You'd be surprised. There was a lot of my, um, <laughs> my thirsty influence in those words. I, I, I'm going to own that. Deb responds well to positive feedback and encouragement. So, yes, <laughs> she and Andrea just create this like feedback loop. So everyone has a, everyone's got one now, haven't they? Apart from Sucky. Wow. Mad decision now, innit? I was going to go for Lindsay for her tardiness, but it was a joy when you appeared on our screen, obviously. Uh, Andrea's been sound. She picked him in episode, so can't pick her, really. Sucky. I've been a bit mean to Sucky recently. Uh, he had a word with me last night about some Twittering or something. So, you know, I respect the man for, you know, coming at me with that. Um, so fuck you, John. <laughs> You're that fucking red shirt. <laughs> fucking two. Die. Fuck you too, Bob. I'm changing my mind for you. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Lindsay so uh, just so we've got something to shout about and argue about. No, I don't yeah. mind being the red shirt. Of the You're week. the red shirt this week. Okay, so how are we calling him? Uh, are he's, we he's, sending he's, him to Laurel's uh, chair uh, and sexual penetration? No, he's gonna lick he's, that dirty mattress and catch some. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's gonna have to live in my basement the way Lorca lives, so he's gonna have to watch a lot in of full luxury. It's death by Judge Judy and like. <laughs> Pickled on your monster munch. I, and, I like, don't want fed hobnobs. I don't want to start being part of the t- prime locker fucking timeline. I don't want to be. I don't want to be assumed that I'm all in there but with. You'll prime have a Henry Hoover for company. It'll be fine. Sucked <laughs> off of that by Henry. Be lovely. Uh, right, let's find out. We'll watch it next time. John, it's your turn to choose this time. What That's are right, you for the next podcast in two weeks' time? Well, as far as I can tell, we've done Enterprise, we've done Voyager, we've done Deep Space Nine, we've done Next Gen, so uh, and Discovery. So I'm thinking it's about time we did some original series. Yes! <laughs> and so uh, I'm going for a quite an early one, and it has a tangential link to this episode that we've just reviewed. So this is the sixth episode of the first season entitled Mud's Women. Oh, yes! No! <laughs> Get in! I was, like, I, I, this is going to be like. I had a feeling. Hard. I had a feeling you were going to go for that, John, yeah. for many reasons, but mainly Lindsay. Well, I was going to pick Arena, but uh, Lindsay was eight, late, so I thought, well, fuck it. I was winning. <laughs> I knew, I knew <laughs> you were going to pick that, you naughty man. Oh, yeah. If you want to watch along with us, we're doing Muds Women uh, from the original series on the next podcast, which will be out in two weeks' time. That will be a very interesting podcast indeed. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, guys, and we'll speak to you next time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Captain's Log, Stardate 1329.1. The Enterprise brings aboard the survivors of an ill-fated vessel. And the ladies? Is this your crew, Captain? This is me cargo. 
I read once that Commander has to act like a paragon of virtue. I never met a paragon. Neither have I. Mr. Walsh, I'm convening a ship's hearing on your actions. Mr. Spock will supply you with any legal information you may need. You're a hard-nosed one, Captain. And you're a liar, Mr. Walsh. Here's the one you'll get killed. Just have those crystals here when I get back. Thank you.